Welcome to podcast number 91 of My Favorite Detective Stories. Today's date is March the 3rd, 2020, and I'm your host, John A. Hoda. My guest today is August Norman, originally from central Indiana. Thriller and mystery author August Norm has called Los Angeles home, writing for and or appearing in movies, television, stage productions, web series, and even commercial advertising. A lover and champion of crime fiction, August regularly attends the Santa Barbara Writers' Conference and is an active member of the Mystery Writers of America group. Also, international thriller writers and sisters in crime, Come and Get Me is August's debut thriller featuring investigative journalist Caitlin Bergman, and it was listed in Suspense Magazine's Best of 2019 issue in the debut category, and Sins of the Mother, the second of the Caitlin Bergman series, will be released in September 2020 by Crooked Lane Books. It is my pleasure to have on the show today, August Norman. Welcome to My Favorite Detective Stories. My Favorite Detective Stories features successful private investigators. They offer insights into their careers and advice to those just starting out or to those who are struggling. You will learn from the best. Of course, we cannot finish the show without asking them to share their favorite detective story. On alternating weeks, you will hear from crime fiction writers who discuss their latest books and what makes their fictional detectives tick. Throughout my investigative career spanning five decades, I cannot think of a time that I didn't have a good crime novel on my coffee table or bedstand. We will also talk about their favorite authors as well. As a working investigator, coach, and writer, I hope to bring inspiration, information, and entertainment in the areas that interest me most. Gather around my campfire as I invite you to listen in. This episode is brought to you by my own crime thriller with a mystery twist, Odessa on the Delaware. A Russian gang enforcer is on a murderous rampage to take over the entire Philadelphia mob scene. A homeless vet doesn't know that he has the proof or that he's next on the list. The stakes are high for this deadly cat and mouse game set on the bleak Philly waterfront of years gone by. FBI agent Marsha O'Shea, a gunslinger from the Miami cartel days, is back in her hometown, quietly finishing out her career, but now is drawn into this case with a secret pushing her doggedly to follow the clues, only to uncover a greater secret that may get her killed in the final showdown. You can buy Odessa from your favorite online retailer. Hi, August. Welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. So how's the weather out there in La La Land today? Well, it is, uh, as you would expect, pretty much every day it is sunny and uh, calm. Um, and uh, that is to say, I haven't really been out there yet because I'm homesick for the, uh, from work for the day. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I'm glad that you have a chance to still uh, sit with us and our listeners today. So, what, about, uh, what about your weather? Oh, here in uh, southwestern Connecticut, it's just uh, the second week of January. But um, actually, actually, no, it's 50 degrees today. Oof. And uh, yeah, a balmy 50, but it's very gloomy, no sunshine at all. So uh, I'll take the 50 and the clouds, and then maybe uh, we can just push off winter for just yet another day. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm picturing you in the, in the shorts at that point. <laughs> yeah, 50. To, well, that's what us East Coasters do when we come to uh, L.A. In 50-degree weather, we're wearing shorts, and you're, you're bundled up in park. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> throw, throw my double scarf on. That's it. Hey, so we had a chance to meet um, in the reception line at uh, Bausher Khan this uh, past uh, September in Dallas. 
for the debut novelists. And uh, I had a little bit of break there at my table and I wandered over to yours and I said, hey, this guy's got something going on here. He's got a nice book. And uh, I, I struck up a conversation with you being the, um, the shallow introvert that I am. And, uh, and we got talking and, um, I said, no, oh, I got to have this guy on my podcast. And you were gracious enough to say, yes, you would. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about, about this debut novel. Tell me about that character and, uh, we'll rock. All right. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for being the, uh, <laughs> introvert. I'm sure, I'm sure is not quite the word to describe you, no. but, uh, but yeah, thanks. For, uh, thanks for connecting. I mean, it is one of the things about, um, the writing community is, is just the overall generosity of most people you meet, um, the, the, the open doors that just come from, you know, introducing yourself and being cool. Um, my name is August Norman, as you said, and, uh, my debut novel is come and get me a Caitlin Bergman novel. And, uh, it came out in April of 2019 and has been going decently well. Uh, I, I live in Los Angeles. I've lived out here since, uh, the late nineties. Uh, before that, I'm originally from Indiana. Um, Which is the setting of this uh, thriller. Exactly. uh, It's a setting of a thriller. In fact, uh, the the book actually takes place on the campus of Indiana University. I didn't didn't fictionalize the location. I used a real real location. And um, that's in part, um, dude, just uh, for my familiarity with uh, the campus where I went to college, but also um, not to jump right into the plot of the book or anything, but um, my my book is, is, is based on two or three true events that happened in the Midwest, uh, in big 10 schools, um, in, in the, uh, 2000s. Okay. And so, um, I, I did want to set it in a real place and, uh, I really wanted to explore that idea of, um, idyllic situations, places we tend to think of as, as, uh, innocent and, uh, carefree and safe at all times. And to remind people that they're not, uh, that horrible things happen everywhere. Uh, and to all people. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, in the past, and I don't know if it's still that way now, but in the past universities were loath to uh, show their dirty underwear. So they suppressed the information about these type of things happening because they didn't want it to uh, affect um, applications, you know, and people oh, wanting to come to their school. Yeah, very, very much so. And um, yeah, as you said, m- most recently we are seeing a lot more, a better reporting, a lot better, um, uh, in, in, in come and get me, there is, um, it does touch on obviously campus abuse, um, the sexual assault, uh, a little, some of the a little darker stuff. And yeah, in, in the last decade or so, we've definitely seen a lot better reporting, um, and ability to, to speak about such things. Um, like you said, without like hiding them, mm-hmm. um, as well as, um, just the, the information age does give us a, a lot more information. Sure. No, um, but, real. but these have definitely been issues throughout all time. And, um, Luckily, some sometimes the exposure of these things makes it better. Absolutely, I think so. So I, I didn't want to just uh, dive off the off the uh, the path that we were on. I just wanted. Oh yeah, to, sorry. No, I, I just wanted to say that that um, by naming an actual university, I'm sure the the board of regents are just tickled pink to know that a bestseller is going to be on their <laughs> campus. So, <laughs> well, you know. Um, that that is that was a concern, of course. When the book was coming out, the publicists were like, "Do you think we should, you know, contact the alumni board?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't think they'll like it too much." But um, I haven't really done anything in the book that makes this particular university look bad. Um, in, in fact, if anything, it's more of just a, a highlight that it's it's a ubiquitous problem. It, it um, 
it's happening at all of these schools, these, these places that have this transitory population. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Bloomington, Indiana is a beautiful city. It's, a, it's about 100, when school's in, it's about 100,000 100, people. When school's out, it's like 40,000. Okay. And so it is, I mean, that's their industry. And, mm-hmm. um, and that sort of population that changes semester by semester, people, you, you, know, you, you never know if someone's there and, or not, and they, they just disappear off and on. And someone you saw the year before might not return the year after, and you never know why. And right. so um, I really liked that idea of, of playing with that sort of element of just, you know, you just, again, you just assume everything's wonderful, um, but everybody's walking their own path and yep. uh, have their own story. And so, yeah, I really just wanted to play with that, that, that feel. And, and to your point, uh, this makes it a, a perfect um, backdrop uh, for uh, the setting of your novel. And it, it really gives it, it more credibility, uh, given that it's a, a college town and uh, your antagonist is uh, preying on a certain um, demographic, right. which uh, fits right into uh, this the transitory nature of a, of a college town. So, and, and, uh, I live near a college town, as I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, we're, I'm near New Haven and Yale is our largest, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not the largest, but you know, that university of New Haven, um, basically a couple of good sized colleges here that, you know, September to, uh, May, you know, swells the, uh, downtown. That's for sure. So anyway. Yeah. Anyhow, so um, if you want, just uh, without uh, giving away too much and no spoilers, just tell us a little bit about why you decided to write this book, what your thinking was behind it, and how you developed uh, Caitlin, and where did she come from in your brain? Right. Well, uh, yeah, there's two stories there, I suppose. So I'll, I'll start with Caitlin. Caitlin became, I, um, before I, I, I turned to novel-length fiction, I uh, moved to Hollywood with the idea of being a screenwriter um, or, and an actor and a rock star. Um, mm-hmm. you know, as you do. Yeah. Um, and then eventually that, that narrowed down to say screenwriter and, um, and I had some success, uh, um, but nothing, nothing like paying the bills. <laughs> I, I, I definitely had a lot of encouragement. Um, and so then I, I got to a point where I had written a, I had written my, I mostly had written comedy. Um, and so I finally, I, I had written a, uh, a director I worked with often. We did a lot of independent type stuff. Um, I wrote a mystery uh, like a thr- a crime thriller that set in LA about a, an ex LAPD officer um, who makes an appearance in this book. Um, but um, so I, I wrote a story from his point of view and it was um, about 70% his point of view. And then I wrote the character Caitlin Bergman to be his foil. Uh, that is, she was about 30% the point of view and um, she was kind of the moral compass uh, and um, the, the, the bringer of truths. So uh I wrote that as a screenplay first, and then it became a novel, and that novel went out uh, to the market and the general world and almost was published, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it was fine. But but as I wrote that, and people were like, well, this could be a series, all I kept thinking was, yeah, but Caitlin's the stronger character. How about uh, that? Yeah, uh, she was just uh, more dynamic, and there, there's plenty of, and as much as I, I, I love the genre, but there's plenty of the... Los Angeles hard-boiled uh, ex-cop, you know, noir type stuff out there, and I, I love it and would love to make my mark in that thing. But but again, Caitlin was just such a stronger character, and I had written her specifically uh, for an actor friend of mine uh, as a part that I knew she would love to play and would probably never get cast in, but like that I knew she could get it. Uh, so so that character is kind of easy for me to write because I tend to think of my friend. So you're you're friends with Margot Robbie too. <laughs> uh. 
I'm sorry. That, no, no. I know. It's just a, a joke. Uh, but anyway. Oh, no. We'll see. Or, you know, Scarlett Johansson or, you know, uh, yeah. Lauren, Jennifer Lawrence or. Anyhow. These are all good. Yeah, these are all good names. To all good A-listers. That's but, right. Now, I'm only joking about that. But the idea was you really had somebody in mind when you wrote Caitlin. And it probably put more flesh and bones, no kidding, on your cl- mm-hmm. on your character, you know, because you could see it. And because, because you're a screenwriter, you think through the lens of a camera. And uh, this probably brought out a much stronger uh, female uh, and with a, a more complex personality than might have been done if you had not uh, pursued that exercise. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's true. I, um, you know, so somebody definitely has asked me before, like, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm a man writing a mostly but like there is some male point of view in this book there's about 20 25 male point of view in this book but i'm a man writing a female point of view mm-hmm. and and that's they asked like well what did you do to work on that and i, I like you said I, i'm basing it on one person or a, it's mostly like a combination of four women in my life and then like one guy like they're they yeah. all combine to make this character uh, that really, that, I'm not trying to write for all women. I, I'm trying to write one woman um, and and make her as someone I know in and out. Um, and of course, on top of that, well, maybe we'll get into it later. But like in the process, I I went heavy into beta readers. Um, okay. Because I knew I was kind of there's a lot in this book that it's one thing that I'm writing from a female point of view, but I'm also touching on um, some sexual assault stuff, uh, a lot of stuff that I don't don't feel comfortable writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I when it got time before I even sent this to my agent, I um and this is the first book before uh before uh, no, the this, debut? no, this is the debut. Okay, but, sorry. Um, no, that's fine. Um but like when I when the when this novel was ready or this manuscript was ready, um I, I still sent it around uh to a lot of people I know. Uh I, I usually have three or four beta readers for something. In this case I, I think I, I think my number was twenty five. Wow. I, uh, I you're went doing some demographic work focus group. <laughs> well, you're exactly right. Because I, of those 25, 20 were women. And in, in those 20, there were two in their seventies, two in their sixties, two in their fifties, two in their forties, thirties and twenties. And then, uh, there were, um, uh, multiple, multiple ethnicities and sexual orientations. I really wanted to make sure that, uh, the stuff I was touching was, was looked over, um, and even then, once uh, once the book was bought and uh, and has was making the the uh, the rounds for um, for blurbs, that is, mm-hmm. you know, the quotes that go on front covers for for those listeners who may not know. Right. Um, uh, then we we got feedback even after we'd received uh, l- lovely blurbs. Uh, we got feedback from a best selling uh, female author, um, and that feedback prompted us to to pull the book back, and I cut a chapter and then rewrote four other chapters. Um, and and I think they made the book all all that much stronger. And uh, so yeah, I was hypersensitive, um, and maybe maybe too too much, but I, but I don't think so. I, I think it was something I really wanted to honor and to make sure that um, that this book in particular, once especially once it became my debut, um, that I that I was writing from a point of credibility. Yeah, and and the uh, the advice of that I would say uh, author. We won't, I, I was going to say bestseller. But I was going to yeah. just author had some uh, gravitas to it and maybe something that uh, to you as a rookie, as a debut novelist, Mm -hmm. and maybe to your editor just didn't appreciate. So then you get somebody coming in with like that. And if you don't take that seriously, then you either have too big of an ego or you don't have an ability to learn. Right. Yeah. So, (laughs) and I don't think that's the case. So I think it 
And in both cases, um, you know, you, you basically didn't have an ego with it and you had the ability to learn. And you feel that because of that last opportunity for a, like a revision on top of a revision on top of a revision, it made it a better book. And yeah. uh, you have no and you have no qualms about it. Uh, yeah, being careful with um, your storyline and and the sensitivities of of people and, and their where they come from very very important. I I almost didn't write a novel that I'm I'm writing now mm-hmm. um, because I was worried about. Um, the blowback that I might get, but I, I ran it through several different demographics and I got mostly, um, a, a, if the worst I got was a raised eyebrow, then I was, okay, <laughs> you know, so, uh, and, and nobody decided to steal the plot. So I'm happy about that. But <laughs> right. Anyway. So, um, no, you're right. I, I think it's, I, I'm always amazed when people are like, Oh, but I'm an artist. How, you know, I don't, I, I can't compromise. And you're like, yeah, but it's, sometimes it's just not being a dick. You know, like it's just making sure that, you know, our own prejudices and our own lenses that we see the world through are, are, you know, take into account everybody else. So, but you've had, you had a lot of inoculation uh, by being in Hollywood in the first place. This is true. Yeah. It's not like this is your baby that you slaved over for 10 years out in uh, Oshkosh. You know, (laughs) you had a little bit of background in LA where all of a sudden uh, Robert De Niro becomes a young uh, uh, Charlie Hunnam, you know? Or a, or a young animated Robert De Niro. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, the, the wonder of green screens. So, but you know, the point being is that, uh, yeah, you, you had the, uh, you had the common sense to, to listen and you had the ability to change. I know when I'm, I'm working with my editor, what I always like to sell my editors on is that they turn my coal into diamonds. Why would I be stupid and not pay attention to that? <laughs> right. You know? So um, I welcome a good editor because it's only going to make my my craft better. Yeah, that actual book, yes, craft overall better. I can apply that craft book after book after book. Right, and uh, that's always a great learning experience. And what am I paying for? Oh my God, I'm paying for an editor. So anyway, <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Caitlin. Now that we've kind of nibbled around the edges of your uh, strong female from the previous, uh, was it a short story or, or de- a novel that was uh, that had been come out of a screenplay that now emanated in coming your debut novel? Do I understand that right? Uh, yeah, I mean her. Yeah, her first appearance was in a screenplay that became a novel. Okay, and then when I started, when I wanted to touch this story, uh, I knew she was she was the person for it. Um, I wanted, I wanted, I was angry about, I was angry about, uh, abuse on college campuses. Um, I, I was, I was, I think I'd spoken to a friend and we were talking about, uh, times where, you know, we'd been both lucky enough to go to college and blah, blah, blah. But like, um, my time there was idyllic and her time there was not. And, um, I only learned that 20 years later, you know? So, um, mm. I, I, that the, the fact that these things were so widespread and I mean, of course they were, of course, women knew that, but, uh, you know, the blinders were sort of being lifted for me. So this is, you know, sometimes, um, so anyway, Caitlin Bergman, um, is a, is a female investigative journalist. She's an investigative journalist, Mm -hmm. uh, who grew up in Los Angeles, um, who went to school, uh, at Indiana university in their journalism department back then it was journalism. Now it's media school, but, um, but and then has lived most of her life in Los Angeles. Um, her father, she grew up um, in a in a one parent household. Um, to she's the daughter of a, an LAPD officer. Okay. Um, and um, who and she naturally thought she grew up to be a cop, and he sort of encouraged her to become a journalist um, because she's the kind of person who likes to change a system uh, rather than work within it. 
So um, it, at this point, Caitlin returns to, she's invited to return to Indiana University after 20 years to get a diploma. Technically, she didn't finish school. She left three weeks before the end of college uh, and didn't graduate. She, well, we, we, of course, find out that the reason she left was because um, she not only was sexually assaulted, but she was sort of victim shamed out of town by the local police department. Lovely. And so um, she returns thinking she's going to take a victory lap. She's got a book out. She's got a true crime uh, book out. And she's, she's taking a victory lap. And she gets there and realizes, like many people who suffer from uh, uh, trauma or post-traumatic stress, uh, that just being back in the location all of a sudden triggers something she hasn't felt in, in 20 years. And so she's there for that weekend thinking she can kind of finally close the door on something and realizes not only can she not, but she doesn't have uh, the emotional tools to deal with something like that. So in the meantime, um, she finds out a, a, a local student, someone uh, named Lakshmi Anjale, uh, a 21-year-old uh, journalism student who's much like herself when she was younger, uh, approaches her and assumes she's there because the campus has sort of an infamous two-year-old disappearance that's unsolved. Uh, and she assumes she's there to, to find that missing student. And sort of, and then enlist her into that into that process. So rather than go back to Los Angeles, uh, Caitlin decides that she can use this project as a way to work through her time in town. What a great premise! What a nice hook! Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a breather here uh, for a second because no, I'm not. (laughs) How's that? I'm going to. How's that? No, you have to hack and cough. That's right. Yeah, that's it. No, so I will give you a little breather. So, yes, uh, and I'll put on my radio announcer voice. Oh, please. An intrepid journalist confronts a small town's dark secrets and come and get me. A breakneck thriller for fans of Tess Gerritsen and Julia Keller. And then this is the hook that really had me. And uh, I, I, if, if after what you just said, and if I can't uh, close the deal with this, then uh, I, we got some really lame listeners. I hate to say. No, they're the best. <laughs> I know. At Indiana University, someone's been studying female student body, their dating customs, nocturnal activities, and how long they can survive in captivity. That, my friend, is a hell of a hook. And uh, I think this makes it for a really good read and one that I think people will really enjoy. Um, we can't give away much more of the story except for that, you know, she's uh, probably going to be, uh, and I'm, I'm going to ask, she's probably going to be flexing muscles shed and flexed in. Uh, in her previous work, and she's going to be probably dealing with it through the uh, the lens of all the emotions flooding back. Is that a good way of talking about uh, Caitlin at this point? Uh, very much so. Yeah, she's going to have to, um, on a psychological level, she's going to have to uh, get get into some therapy and and really kind of um, you know heal herself. Uh, and she does though. So um, through the help of a of an old professor of hers who happens to also be a retired psychologist okay. um, as, as well as um, yes, physically she's going to have to uh, go through a crucible there. She's going to, she's really going to have to uh, fight, fight her way out of the situation. Okay. So uh, screenwriter, actor, uh, writer. And when did you decide to start uh, writing seriously for um, in the genre of uh, thrillers and uh, crime thrillers, and, and make, sure. were you looking at any particular uh, uh, writers that you like that you found their fictional characters to be compelling to you? That's um, I want to say it's about a ten-year process for me. I okay. um, from when I wrote the screenplay that became my first novel um, until the selling of the debut. 
uh, that was probably a 10 year process. And okay. there was, uh, I, I had like, I had always read, but uh, until my thirties, I, I hadn't, there was a good stretch where I wasn't reading on a regular basis. I can admit that now, <laughs> but, uh, cause I read now I read an obnoxious, amount. but, um, but as far as my knowledge of mysteries and thrillers, I mean, I, I was a huge Chandler fan and Hammett and, uh, Conan Doyle and Agatha Christie and, uh, stuff like that. But as far as the modern market, I didn't really know much about it until I had finished the first draft of a manuscript. And then I started just going to bookstores and, and buying and reading everything I, um, and I, you know, so, sorry to the authors, however, they're all best-selling authors at the time. So I think they're okay, but I would go to a used bookstore and I'd find, you know, whoever had the most titles and I would pick one book from them and try to work through a series. And so yeah, I did Connolly and I did Robert Craze and I did Coben and I did, uh, there's a lot of more disease apparently, mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> a lot of bestsellers in the seas. I, I don't know if that's a coincidence. Um, so, um, I mean, of course, of course there's going to be that part of me that's always going to uh, want to be Raymond Chandler. Um, and I think that's, Listeners of your show, uh, the, the episodes I've definitely listened to, that comes up a lot, and uh, rightly so. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's a, a lot of that, and of course, since then, my my knowledge of the genre has really, uh, you know, deepened. Um, but uh, but that's still still up there on the list, of course. When I talk about the classics, I'm not talking about Shakespeare, Beowulf, <laughs> or Jane Austen. I'm talking about Chandler. Uh, Ross McDonald. Oh yeah. And, uh, Dashiell Hammett, you know, so yeah, yeah, that's, those are my classics for me. Um, and so interesting, um, that you, that you went and, and studied it. Now there was a question I had before and I forgot it, but, but luckily I retrieved it from my memory. I don't know where mm-hmm. it came from. So here's the question. And it's something that, and uh, I know we could, uh, probably d- dive into this for about 10 hours, but I just want to get a, a, a kind of a, a read on it from you. Writing screenplays for comedy mm-hmm. and writing from that those beats and that and that way of looking at the world. How did you think that helped you in um, writing uh, mysteries, thrillers, and crime thriller? What how, did you ever have you ever tried to decompose that and see how the how one might have led to the other, or how your brain works in such a way that one would lead to the other? Yeah, um, in particular, just going straight from a screenplay to a novel form. My first uh, when I did write that first. Um, thriller as a as a screenplay well, it ended up being 39 scenes uh so which i then made each scene into a chapter and Bingo. and then i so i just really had like a hundred page outline is mm-hmm. really what that like an outline with dialogue um but yeah. also that that there's a muscle that that comes from building scenes right and 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 it, it's it's very important in fiction writing but obviously it's it's even more so important in writing for the camera um where you're you are creating these cliffhangers automatically uh or just easy transitions, places to take a breath, pacing. Um, so that, that, that muscle that from the screenwriting world really comes in handy, I found, uh, and, and seems to be there naturally when I write, uh, if I'm doing everything right. Um, but like, yeah, in that world. So I think that's how it's benefited me the most. Yeah. And then uh, comedy uh, to, to mystery thrillers or crime thrillers. Do you think you're exercising the same creative muscles? I don't know. They're both been sides of me for so long. Um, Okay. I suppose I suppose so, but I, I I've never broken that one down as much. Um, okay. I, I definitely use comedy. My, my books tend to be sort of dark. However, um, comedy de- definitely finds its way into every place that some any place you need 
a, a breather, any place you need a, a the relief of tension, uh, comedy is going to be my answer in my books. Oh, I, I can I can understand that. I, and I wasn't trying to put you on the on the uh, spit there. Obviously, oh, no. I just thought it would be interesting to see the trans trans uh, transfer of skill sets from writing comedy to uh, writing mystery thrillers. I was just wondering what the connection was and had you ever analyzed it. Now you're going to have to stay up at night and think about that. So. <laughs> I, I really have. You've already got me going. <laughs> well, in, in some ways, I mean, it is a little bit of set up punch. Um, that is, in a, uh, in a mystery, you do have to, you have to leave clues. Uh, right. And in a well-crafted joke, you have to leave, you have to leave clues. Absolutely. And, and therefore it pays off when you finally get to the end. Um, so it is sort of um, the same concept. Um, just, and then you just have to know how subtly to leave those clues. Obviously you want right. to, you, you want to do it as well as possible. No. And, and, and there's some stand up routines that if you look at them and break them down, they are just so well crafted. Oh yeah. And then the fact, you know, the way they're, they're doing the present presentation on stage, just it's, you know, you see some masterful work and you understand that this is an auteur at, at their highest, you know, or, mm-hmm. or somebody that's really bombing because, you know, the, um, cause the, 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 the table of drunks next to the stage is uh, yelling about how they didn't get all their Mai Tais. So, but anyhow, I, I digress. So, and now I can't make you laugh cause I'm, then I make you cough. So I guess I'm that's just, right. going to have to, um, get, be real, um, Steven, uh, what was his name? The real deadpan comedian. Oh, uh, Steven Tyler. Uh, that's a guitarist for, uh, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Uh, I know who you meant. <laughs> yeah. You know, the guy that uh, there are spent, people, all, yeah. spent all day looking for a, a decaffeinated coffee table. <sighs> you know who I mean. I know, but we're not going to think of it. And there are people literally yelling at their podcast right now. That's right. <laughs> so we won't go down that rabbit hole. Right. Yeah. But in any event, uh, there's certainly, uh, there's a lot of legs with Caitlin and in, in coming out of that uh, screenplay turned into a novel, now turned into your debut novel, enough that it, it comes, uh, I, I take it that she survives. It's not the ghost of Caitlin Berglund that's in the second <laughs> book. So uh, tell me, this uh, is true. tell me uh, at what point during uh, Come and Get Me, did you uh, realize that there was some uh, fodder for the second book or was it, was it always going to be part of a, well, is it going to be part of a series? Uh, that is the goal. Uh, that and also was the contract uh, when I first signed the uh, agreement. The agreement was for two books. Okay. Uh, two, so so yeah, I knew I knew she was going to live. Lead, uh, live. Um, it's funny. I uh, I actually you know you try not to read reviews obviously unless they're positive. But uh, there was one review that said, "How dare they call this a thriller?" Because they also included her name in the title, and you're like, it. it there was no suspension of disbelief that she might die. And I'm like, well, uh, all right, you know. I, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. A, I don't have any. A, the author doesn't have anything to do with that. Uh, B, right. whatever. Uh, so, but yes, she lives on, and yeah, we're all we're all stronger for it. The next book um, is written and complete, and uh, comes out in September oh, of 20, 2020. And you'll, um, have, you'll have to give me a little shout when it is, and I'll make sure to put something out there for my uh, listeners so they can grab the second one. Okay. Yes. What is, and tell me, can you tell me a little bit like title? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's called, uh, sins of the mother. And it has to do with, uh, Caitlin's relationship with her birth mother. Um, that is, she was given up for adoption when she okay. was a baby, uh, a relationship with the birth mother, a, uh, cult in coastal Oregon and a mass grave. Okay. And, uh, coastal Oregon. I can yeah. see, oh, that, that, you know, for a second I had flash at Twin Peaks. 
with that oh, yeah. with that sort of thought, you know. But for those of us of a certain age, Twin Peaks t- television show. Oh uh, yeah, Kyle MacLachlan uh, playing an FBI agent that liked cherry pie, <laughs> and uh, and a very uh, a very eerie soundtrack by Angelo Badalamente. Did I say that right? Anyhow, said it, said it right for me. Well, yeah, yeah I think it was great. Thanks, but anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Coastal Oregon, a mass grave, and and what was the third thing? A cult, a cult, yeah, and a and, cult. A, and, a, and a bio mother that gave her up. So there's a exactly. lot of baggage there. It's going to keep uh, pulling on her uh, emotional strings as well. So yeah, I'm sure. excited. I, I got to uh, create a religion, um, and I'm not saying you know it's it's perfect or anything. But if people want to send checks, they can. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, a you get that tax tax exempt status and everything, you know. Uh, another writer, and I'm not I'm not going to go off the rails with this too much. But another writer who I had on the podcast had a um, at the end of his novel, uh, he and his uh, female uh, co protagonist co protagonist uh, protagonist. Yeah, they okay. <laughs> I like uh, they create a um, uh, a um, private detective agency. Mm-hmm. In in the city where that the book is listed, so I, I finished reading the book. This is after I read I did podcasts with them. I wrote them back and I said, "Hey, so did you uh, did you uh, like get the URL? Did you get the domain name for that uh, company? Because sure enough, if if the book breaks out, somebody else will grab it." And, <laughs> and he laughed. He thought that was funny. And then uh, a short while later, he said, "Yeah, it was only five ninety nine at GoDaddy." <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, so um, when when people start showing up at your door to, to be part of this religion, Norm, uh, August, what are you going to say to them? You know, <laughs> I'll say, uh, you know, sure, why not? You know, um, there's some something for everyone, and uh, also read the whole book, and you'll be like, well, maybe that religion's not not the one. For me. I but gotcha. we'll find out. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, um, any particular fictional detectives that uh, I know that you mentioned Connolly's uh, and Coben and the other C uh, Chandler. Oh yeah. Did you? Uh, is there anybody that you like reading from uh, the first to the last? You can't wait for the next one to come out, or do, you, you, know, you devour the entire backlist? Um, definitely Conley, but since that's fairly common, uh, I'm going to also go with Robert Craze uh, with um, with the Ellis Cole and uh, Joe Pike uh, series. Okay, you're the first person to mention Craze and those guys. Um, uh, I'm on it. Well, that's good. I'm glad because. Uh, um, I had forgotten Craze, and that was one of the C's. So, what makes you? Uh, what draws you to uh, Craze and and Joe Pike and El- Elvis? Yep, Elvis uh, Cole. Elvis Cole. Uh, well, it, you know, as a I'm 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 now at a point where I've lived in Los Angeles longer than I've lived anywhere else. So I don't know if that makes me an Angelino, but I I definitely try try. I, I love um, one of the things uh, he does with that series uh, and has done very well is he's sort of done the same thing that Robert. Parker did with uh, Spencer and Hawk and and Hawk. And that is that they have that sort of John Lennon, Paul McCartney feel to the, to the two guys, right? Mm -hmm. One sort of the the good guy and the other one's a little bit of the darker, uh, the darker edge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Say, you know, the Robert Plant, uh, Jimmy Page uh, thing. Okay. Like there's always like that, that good, the the slightly good and the slightly bad to uh, each of them. And I I love that duality that, that they uses, um, Throughout the series for that. Uh, and it keeps the dialogue sharp. Keeps and- it, yeah, exactly. Elvis Cole's a little funnier. Uh, Joe Pike is the serious, no nonsense, uh, not afraid to cross the lines to get, get the job done. Mm. Man, a few words. And uh, and, Cra- and Crace does a nice job 
putting them together. Any any of the particular one? Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So any of the particular books of craze that just really pops out, or do you want to just give a shout out to the entire series? Uh, the entire series. I want to say uh, I have to go to my bookshelf. Um, the uh, I want to say the Last Detective, uh, L.A. Requiem. L.A. Requiem's a great one. Forgotten Man. I think the Forgotten Man was one of the ones that um, it's uh, it, that, that definitely stuck out. Because again, I started reading Craze back when I sort of did my discovery into the genre and uh, and picked up a bunch. But the Forgotten Man was about uh, again the relationship with the father. Uh, and uh, it's funny, I, I'm really drawn to characters who have parental issues mm. uh where, whereas my parents are both alive and well and wonderful people mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing but encouraging but uh i tend to like this new book about caitlin has to do with her birth mother and then um the forgotten man by uh by robert craze uh, had to do with i believe uh his his relationship with his father or at least his character's relationship with his father so uh that one that one was one that really stuck with me. in both cases it sounds like uh you're interested in the in in the observation of, of other family dichotomies and mm-hmm. how they apply upon or how they apply and become part of a person's uh, uh, personality. Uh, and, and it makes part of uh, Caitlin's flaws, and, but also makes it part of her strengths. And also uh, same thing goes for uh, the characters of Elvis and uh, Joe uh, written by Cray that they have um, flaws, but they also have strengths based upon, you know, their, uh, their back. So, and if it wasn't for that background, they wouldn't have either. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, believe me, I could, I could jump down the, 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 I mean, I was recently rereading re- all of uh, Raymond Chandler as well. I mean, I'm always a, a big Marlowe guy. Um, there was a, I, but I most recently read a, a biography of Chandler, which my wife got for me for my birthday last year. Oh, that's uh, nice. And, and, and that, that was uh, great. And I, I'm going to plug it here just because it was so good. Uh, it is called The Life of Raymond Chandler, A Mysterious Something in the Light. And it is by Williams, Tom Williams. And um, so I, I read that, uh, that biography and then went and reread um, uh, The Long Goodbye. Oh, boy. And, um, and, and having learned so much about Raymond Chandler from this biography, it was, it was kind of mind-blowing to reread The Long Goodbye and realize that all of the characters were Raymond Chandler in a way. Mm. Um, and it, it really, it really showed me like the inner workings. It was, it was sort of a, a um, deconstruction uh, of the art, uh, having, having read that biography. So I, I really enjoyed going back and kind of rediscovering that from that. Yeah. Well, better that book than a book on composting, I guess. So exactly. <laughs> and it, and it served you well because Williams gave you an insight into Chandler, which gave you an insight into Chandler's writings of the long goodbye. And from that, it, bring, it became a much fuller experience for you. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that's really nice. So uh, uh, reading anybody hot and exciting these days, that up-and-comers, anybody that you like that uh, you want to give a shout-out to that's a, that we, we might consider a contemporary? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I got a debut class, uh, like 40, 50 authors uh, right. to sure. shout out. A lot, of, a lot of great stuff right now. Um, as far as uh, someone who's got a bit of a series out that maybe you know about, maybe you don't, Matt Coyle, who's in uh, San Diego. Okay. Uh, he's got a new book out called Lost Tomorrows. I just picked it up. I think it's the sixth in his Rick Cahill series. Okay. Um, pretty great. And you, and, and uh, you like reading them? Of course you I do. Because you're, you're, well, you're on to six. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. And if, you, and if you're looking for someone in that Southern California hard-boiled tradition, uh, he's doing a good job with it currently. Um, uh, working that uh, debut author named Carl Vondero, uh had a book called uh, Murderabil- Murderabilia. Yes, I happen to have 
the coaster from Bo- Bauschakan. Ah, there you go. For uh, Carl. That's how I know the name. I see it every day before I put my coffee cup down. Nice guy, too. Uh, yeah, very nice. Yeah. Um, I also, I recently met, uh, I was lucky enough to be on a panel with uh, Joe Lansdale. Okay, um, yes. And uh, I, re- I reread, uh, just this last week, I reread The Bottoms by Joe Lansdale. It's just a beautiful book um, with, of course, crime at the heart of it, but just a, a beautiful uh, period piece uh, that, uh, you know, one of those things you kind of aspire to. So, yeah, I, I, I like to look at it as being inspirational too. I'm inspired by some of the contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not, um, I, I want to say that I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm wanting to be, uh, pay homage to the, the, the greats without right. being, without being, uh, intimidated by them in that I figure if in these million words, it doesn't come out right. Maybe in my next million, they will. <laughs> but, uh, and that's just me. Uh, but the, the idea being, and I, I forgot, I can't make you laugh. So, yes. and uh, um, I just think that uh, as long as you can look at really good writing and say, I appreciate that, that's really good. And think about the ways that you can approach your, uh, your stuff when your pen's on paper or your hands are on the keyboard and you're looking at it and you're saying, I'm going to make this the best damn novel I can. And you're not worried about, you know, your predecessors in the genre. You're not worried about your contemporaries. You're just going to do the best damn thing you can. I think that that speaks to that. That's how I think that's how it's inspirational in that, hey, if Joe or or uh, or Carl or someone else can write uh, this type of stuff and I know that I'm capable of doing it, too, and I will do the best I can. Well, everybody's different, but, you know, I don't get I don't get uh, into the imposter syndrome at all. I just just try to to do the best I can and say, good for them. Great job. Love what they did. And um, that that helps me when I sit down that I'm that I won't write schlock that day. You know, I'll I'll write down, I'll sit down and and my time is going to I'm going to make it work. I think out of out of respect to my peers and, and respect to my elders. So. Uh, that's yeah that's that's the right way to to look i mean if you know if anything my time in hollywood taught me let alone just meeting all other authors it's we're all kind of in it together i mean yes there are financial ramifications for some people who make big but at the end of the day we're all doing our best to do our best and um you you touched on earlier you said something about the idea that someone might steal an idea but um I mean, it really, a million people can have the same ideas. It's right. the way, it's your own voice that makes it unique. That's true. Um, oh, one other book uh, that's out right now that, uh, that I'm a, a fan of, um, uh, Wendy Hurd has a, a new thriller called The Kill Club. Okay. Um, and uh, so that, that released in December of 2019, I believe. And uh, she was um, someone I was on uh, the debut class with at uh, Thriller Fest last year. But uh, I'm a, it's one of those books and you're like, oh, I wish I'd written this. Oh, nice. Um, it's 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 a it's a modern take on the strangers on a train um uh premise that is uh I kill someone for you you kill someone for me sort of thing sure. but uh, it's it's set in East Los Angeles and it's just done in a, a way that really appealed to me as a reader so um okay. uh the kill club by Wendy Hurt that's nice i appreciate that so i know you've given shout outs to some other uh, contemporaries that's fantastic uh but how can people get your stuff and how can they reach you august i guess we're at that point in the uh, oh sure in the uh, podcast where we say that 
Oh, well, you can always find me through my website at augustnorman.com. Um, if, if they go there, they can sign up for my mailing list, which includes all uh, news items, as well as pretty much once every two, three months, I'll do a giveaway, usually of uh, one of my books, if not somebody else's. Um, but and then besides that, you can find me on social media and Facebook and Instagram. I'm not really much for Twitter, um, but uh, that, that's generally where you can find me. Okay, fantastic. So uh, thank you very much for coming on. I certainly appreciate the time you took with me today. Um, even though you were a little under the weather, um, you brought it. You brought your A-game today. So <laughs> I thank you very much. Uh, I'm really happy you came on. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about Caitlin. I think um, she's going to be a, a, a protagonist for the ages. And uh, just keep writing her, okay? I uh, well, appreciate it. Thanks for having me, John. It's a pleasure. And uh Thanks for uh, doing the podcast. You're welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. I hope that I've earned your interest and your time. Please leave any comments on the website, www.johnhoda.com. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-D-A.com. My guest next week is Rochelle Davis of New Hope Investigations, which she founded at the start of 2016. She specializes in adoption, research, and investigations. She's a former crime analyst for her local police department. And after seven years in local government and seven years prior to that as a teacher, Michelle found herself drawn to the private sector of investigations and the challenge of building her own business. Her master's degree in criminal justice, resourcefulness, productivity level, and innovation have already served her well in this capacity. She obtained her private investigator's licenses in both Missouri and in Kansas in 2016. She works in various capacities for individuals, attorneys, and businesses, and stays up to date in the current trends and changes in the adoption industry. Pours over the ever-changing social media and open source environments and stays informed of their continued involvement. Rochelle continues to learn more and more about the complex and fascinating world of genealogy. She is a member of the American Adoption Congress, the Association of Professional Genealogists, the International Society of Genetic Genealogy, as well as the National Genealogical Society. It will be my pleasure next week to interview Rochelle Davis. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear other great detective stories, please go to the website and click on our podcast page. There you'll find the backlist. Now, you're probably asking, John, what about your own stories? Do you have any? Sure enough, I do. And they are available to you free as a download right to your inbox. I have eight short stories and eight vignettes in a book titled Mugshots, my favorite detective stories. Now, here's my ask. You were either informed, inspired, or entertained by stories today. Don't be bashful. Share this link with your friends. Better still, go to the iTunes website and leave a review. It's the best way to grow the circle around our campfire. If you have any questions, please contact me through the website, www.johnhoda.com, J-O-H-N-H-O-D-A.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.